Welcome, my name is Najar, better known as Woozy, and this is the Creative Balance Show presented by Woozy Apparel, a show where we sit with creatives, hustlers, entrepreneurs, and other brand builders to understand their stories and the balance needed for their success. Today, we are joined by none other than Gabriel Lopez better known as GS Ultimatic. Gabriel is the host of a popular podcast called Have a Dope Day, where he sits down with cool people from different subcultures and breaks down what makes them unique. His journey with subcultures, however, started long before. Join us as we talk about how culture shifts, the history of graph in Sacramento, and how to use your past as tools for the future. Enjoy the show. To the Creative Balance Show. It's your boy Woozy. We're here in Old Soul um, in Oak Park again. I'm here with somebody new, um, but I'll let him introduce himself. Hello, my name is Gabriel Lopez. I'm an artist, the host of a podcast called Have a Dope Day. Um, my father, I'm in recovery. I'm just, yeah, I hope that's a good intro. That's what's up. So I wanted to first ask you, because your name can you pronounce it for me? It's Gabriel Lopez. Oh, oh, uh, oh, the Instagram name. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. GS Automatic. It's kind of a weird story how that came about, but it means nothing. Like it means nothing. I mean, well, it kind of does, but um, yeah. When I was painting in the streets a lot, I had a name that I wrote, and it was four letters. I added another letter later on, and then okay to abbreviate it, I just did two letters, which was GS. Okay. And the people that had knew me before you know, in the graph game from before, like I changed it. Um, they just knew who it was from the style and the letters. And so mm, nice. when it came time to start Instagram, like years ago, before this account even, mm-hmm. I wanted to have that street rep, but also project like hip hop as a culture. So like Illmatic is like my favorite album of all time, right? Nas is Illmatic. So oh, wow. my old account used to be called GS Illmatic. Well, with the rebirth and recovery and all that, uh, certain things make up who I am. My job is one of those things, me as a craftsman. So okay. the space that I work at is has been very good to me. So I kind of wanted to pay homage to them and also take a little bit of their uh, standard, you know, yeah. places called the Ultimate Collision Center. They're a host of the podcast. They they make it possible. They pay for it now. Nice. Um, Justin and Kelly have been great to me. So I was like, you know what? GS Automatic. You know, I kind of, this is the new me. This okay. is what I'm doing going forward. So that's what's yeah. that's pretty dope yeah when i saw the name i kind of couldn't even like pronounce it yeah well yeah because i'm thinking like is it you know the yeah. g silent yeah, yeah 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 is it so it's gs automatic yeah it is I you like know what's that. what's talking about branding too when you can disrupt somebody's natural like train of thought if it's easy to read it's kind of not that valuable you know, you see it, you wonder, what the what the hell is this? Like, yeah, what, exactly. do, what, what does it say? Like, it sticks in the mind. You know, so, 100%. It's kind of one of those things, too. It's pretty neat. So, you know, I want to go over, you know, start with how you came up. Yeah. But my man has his own podcast, Have a Dope Day. Yeah. So, I, if you guys want to see the, like, the more in-depth story, I want you to go on his podcast, Have a Dope Day. Check out both episodes. Um, we're not gonna go too deep into it here, just to respect that. But I do want to create like the foundation, yeah, I just so we it. know what we're building off of. I appreciate so, it. 
Are you from Sacramento? Yeah, I was born and raised here in Sacramento. Born and raised Sacramento. What yeah. part? Uh, well, we, you know, mom was a single mom for for a while, so we moved around a lot, mainly South Sac, and then we settled in North Highlands. Mm-hmm. Um, they, mom met a wonderful man, uh, my stepfather, and they married. Had a wild life with a bunch of kids. They bought a home in North Highlands, so okay. remodeled it, and that's where we are now. Okay. So. And how is um you know being a Sacramentan? How is, is that what it is, Sacramentan? Yeah, being, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> how, how does that? How does it like? How do you feel about the change of the city? I think it's great, man. I think it's great. There's a lot of uh, the city has changed as I have. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger and I was into the grime and the dirty and the and just that whole vibe of the streets, like mm-hmm. Sac was really that for a lot of for a lot of years. Oh um, wow! Go down into tunnelways because we're in California and we're one of the main waterways like we have all this infrastructure that's built in order to okay transport water from the sierras and all that to you know down to mexico so okay there's so many like major structures to support that that are concrete Mm. and in the summertime when it's 108 outside those tunnels are 80 degrees 70 degrees because they're underground so we'd go paint there that's not really a thing anymore. Uh, yeah. There was also less development, so there was more train spots to paint, mm-hmm. you know? So it was just a different city, but I also love the fact that I don't do that anymore and that the city is different too, you know? Okay. So we've kind of grown together. It's It's been amazing. That's, 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 I, I love that because I see a lot of, especially in your podcast, a lot of love yeah. for the city of Sacramento. Definitely. And, I mean, a lot of people that I've, I've met do have that love for Sacramento, but... I know some people, a lot of people I've met moved away and recently came back just because whatever reason they have yeah. for that. The financial is one of them, right? Like, uh, I remember when I was in high school, people were moving from Oakland and Richmond, uh, Vallejo, because uh-huh. they were getting priced out back then. Mm-hmm. And I went to school with a lot of Bay Cats because of that, and it was tight. So, like, now it's even worse, right? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people move here that are in tech. That's why you see all this development popping up near the highways that are directly linked to San Francisco exactly. because of the tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been, yeah, I do have a lot of love for SAC. And I also, just a little gem as far as branding goes, like if you're going to want to learn about a place, mm-hmm. you're going to want to learn from somebody who's seen it from the beginning to where it's at now. So exactly, I'm in a unique position to showcase the old, the current. And what's about to happen because okay. I've been here, I've seen the timeline. So Okay. So let's let's go through like a brief timeline then of like, you know, you say you grew up in different parts of area like mm-hmm. childhood, like maybe say like, you know, five to like ten or something like that. Like what it what, what you know, what was little Gabriel around here running around doing? Damn, I like your interview style, bro. That's tight. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um I had a, grew up in a single mother home, uh my two sisters and my mom did her fucking best bro to keep it all together she raised us very well um my grandfather was basically my father for the first 12 years of my life and i just remember like being like uh not so much sheltered but just being like just watched you know like they never put me in the dangerous situations but i definitely seen things Mm -hmm. that was just different um my grandfather was retired uh and he he drove a like a like an old chevy truck around and would just pick up cardboard and recycle it so like every weekend that was the hustle wake up at his house you know he'd wake me up and saturdays and sundays we'd usually go to the flea markets around here 
Okay. Then we'd go visit family. Uh, I would eat food at every stop. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. Mexican families cook a lot of food and there's always just the hospitality aspect is always there. So exactly. like we got to experience that. And uh, yeah, man, I just drove around soaking up the city really because I didn't really read. You know, I wasn't the kind of kid that was book smart. So like visually, I learned the city from the front seat of that truck. Oh, wow. You know, and like I just fell in love with every little part of it, you know, so the first what what was your question again i'm sorry i think i kind of got no, i was just more asking like, like yeah. basically trying to get that context yeah, you know yeah. of like you you in that age yeah so he was just uh my grandfather was very uh very independent mm. very much like a figure it out kind of guy so i learned that from him um and he didn't let anything stop him you know i sad to say he you know he worked almost up to the day he died it was only a few months oh wow prior so it was like when you talk about, you know, Mexican people just being hard ass workers, like that shit is real. I really feel like that's in our DNA. It's been passed yeah. down since forever. Um, and he was a prime example of that. My father now too, he's the same way, dude. Like nothing will intimidate this guy, nothing will stop him. Like nice. So I get that spirit, you know, just from those men and the Wait. men I'm currently around now too. I remember listening to your podcast, you also said that in you know, in the passenger seat of your grandpa's truck he taught you he taught you little things here yeah. and there like t- yeah. teaching you spanish and whatnot yeah like how did, you know looking back on that like how do you realize like how impactful was that it was at the time it was just curiosity right mm-hmm. like i didn't i would hear them use it the generation before me would use it and it would make me curious to it um but everything i was into everything i was experiencing wasn't that and then you kind of find out a little bit later that that was on purpose you know okay. they didn't want they at one point in, in time like mexican like all other immigrants black folks too you know like everybody's yeah. treated like a second class citizen because they're different so mm-hmm. i think they kind of did that on purpose they okay. left that education out but Interesting. when i asked he would always oblige he would always talk to me in spanish uh for little things and i'd have to just you know what's weird is i learned to read body language Oh, wow. Before words, because I would be like, what is he doing? What is he saying? Like, mm-hmm. he's got a rope in his hand, the gas stove is on, and he's burning the edge of it. Uh-huh. And he's talking to me in Spanish, though. Like, what's the context here? I had to learn how to read between the lines. Interesting. And I think that helps a lot now with situations. You know, it's funny you brought that up because I have a, one of my close friends. He's uh, His name's Chris. And same thing with his with his grandpa it was a language yeah. barrier he said ne- him his dad him and his uh grandpa never spoke the same language yeah so i had a discussion with, i had a discussion with my girlfriend yesterday and i was telling her i was like the crazy thing about like love or like like you said reading body language yeah i said somehow my um my friend was able to communicate with his grandpa yeah and they've never ever spoke the same language yeah and to me like that's so like like dope to me and like it's i wanted to like so like i asked i, I bring that up to like say like how do I position that? I guess I'm just highlighting that because I think yeah. it's dope that you were able to like get that. Like, okay, what is he doing? Like, kind of examine everything. Like, okay, why is he burning the edge of the rope? Yeah. What, what would that do? There's a, not to get too weird, but there's a, this is only one dimension we live in, right? This is only one part of our life. We walk around consuming and spending and consuming and spending yeah, yeah there's a whole nother system that exists 
aside from that that's been here since the beginning of the earth you know and that's human communication oh, that's you know, us you know interacting with the world around us and just being in tune with that I, we've definitely lost a lot of that due to just technology and a lot of stuff but i say all that to say that at the end of the day like the human experience is like okay very primitive it's very easy you can you can see it you can touch it you can see in a person's face like this person means harm or this person means you know they don't mean harm and like reading between those lines is extremely important and even now with my kids i see it and i'm just like yo i'm right here right now in this second and this is tight i'll yeah. never get this second again so it's like a little bit more valuable but like yeah basically uh you don't really need words all the time is my point you know if you're if you respect that person and you want to understand what's going on with them mm -hmm. you guys will figure it out exactly that's what's up so after this you know you said about 12 years of your life your grandpa's here yeah. grandpa in your life and it involved being basically being your father figure you, i think from what i remember your mom got married mm -hmm. and then you guys how long after she got married did you guys move to north highlands so uh in the hood we move first before we get married we move okay. in together yeah <laughs> nice hey nothing wrong with that that's how yeah. mom was no but uh, <laughs> uh basically she meets this person she had already met him you know checked him out before she brought him home to her kids and uh by the time I met him, it was already a sealed deal oh, okay. with her and him. So, nice. like, again, she did her job as she's supposed to. Um, I remember it was pretty quick. You know, we 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 meet him and months later we move in. And it was it was a weird dynamic to move in with kids, different ages from different backgrounds that you just don't know. But at the same time, you're all in the same place in life. So, yeah, interesting. It's definitely it's definitely interesting. Yeah, it's pretty. No, I, I remember you saying like hearing your story about how you and your your brothers were. Yeah, reminds me of like so, a little personal. Like, um, I've no, technically known my dad my whole life, but yeah. I didn't really like interact with my 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 siblings on my dad's side till I was about like seven. Yeah, so it was like going and finding out I had like siblings on my dad's side was just like mind boggling to me. Definitely. So like you telling the stories of like you going there and it's like instant like. I don't want to say animosity, but it's kind of like that where it's like, what are you doing here? Apprehension. Yeah, like that's yeah. why I kind of like stepbrothers when you like, when they first meet up and they're like, I yeah. run this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to say like how, I wanted you to speak a little bit about that dynamic of, you know, come, going into that situation and having to, having to navigate that really. So there's a lot that goes on at one time, right? I'm like, I'm like 10 years old, uh, 11 years old. I don't remember. Um, and they're younger but they've been exposed to different things mm. than i have because i was raised by my grandfather and my mother and she did a good job of protecting us the best she could he did a good job of teaching us things my brothers were into different things due to the situation between their mother and father okay. right so like their biological mother and their father so they would go experience a different lifestyle during the weekends come mm. back and bring that with them all that energy and knowledge with them so like there was a really there was a really rough like year of getting to know who's who you know mm -hmm. and like it was definitely an experience uh it's similar to like walking into <laughs> walking into like a jail pod and you're like what the fuck's this guy's deal what's yeah. his story <laughs> yeah, who the fuck is he yeah, where does exactly. it fit in the system you know like <laughs> what's your bid yeah well yeah exactly that's <laughs> that's what it was like it was a lot like that that's pretty neat so you, you moved to North Highlands, 
and you start going to school out there? Yeah. How was that experience? That was different, bro. I went to a school called Ethel I. Baker out here in South Sac. And before that, I went to a school across the street from uh, the Dos Rails Projects. So it was like, it was different school systems. The, everything looked different. The schools I went to were older, um, probably, you know, built in the 30s and 40s. The schools up here were built in the late 90s. So you could see the difference in like the oh, wow. architecture and everything. Yeah. Um, the neighborhood dynamic is completely different up here than it is down there. So like, it was different. We were some of the only Mexican kids in school. Uh, there was a few black kids, but they were, they were just like us, you know, they were out of place. So it was definitely different. You get to learn too, that like, there's way more available in a better school district than there is, Hundred percent. you know, coming from like those yeah. rails and shit. That's pretty neat. So how, so I want, cause you said you're, you were big in the graph yeah. and that's what kind of drew me to your podcast in the yeah. first place was like a lot of the graph artists and just the knowledge that you have of graph. Yeah. When did, when did that take place in your life? So I remember, uh, that's a dope question. I remember uh, Highway 80, like again, passenger seat of that truck, uh, just enjoying myself living as a little boy, you know, with grandpa just running around, not wearing a seatbelt, you know what I'm saying? Got, yeah. got dollars in my pocket, my hands are dirty, yeah, exactly. like got firecrackers <laughs> in my other pocket, like just being a just being an aggressive being little boy. Being a true boy. kid, yeah. Yeah, and like uh, I remember seeing it on the freeways, like periodically. And I'd always wonder what it was. There was a, in South Sac, there's a culture already that exists in graph, right? And so like, mm -hmm. this is fresh out of the nineties into the early two thousands. And so like a lot of stuff was changing on the streets in graffiti, but there was still remnants of it here and there. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing uh, like low level rooftops, like single story buildings, and they would have like tags over the roof of them. I always seen it, knew it was around. I just didn't understand mm -hmm. the culture behind it. And so okay. there was the first time I ever met anybody that wrote was a girl was babysitting me at this duplex we used to live at in South Sac. Um, she had these two dudes that stopped by on skateboards and they had a can of uh, nice. ballet slipper Krylon that was just, I remember hearing it, asking what it was and just seeing them tag on the bottom of my skateboard. And I was like, let me see that can. And I run into the to the garage and I'm just looking for something to tag on. Like, I finally got a spray can in my hand. Like, what am I gonna do? Yeah. I do a little dot on the washer and dryer in between the two of them and I run back out, give it to them. And it was like, it was like a secret mission. It was super intense for me. Um, that was the first time I ever like seen dudes that wrote, but the f let me backtrack a little bit. The first time I ever seen like a wild style graffiti piece up close was at Lawrence Park in South Sac. There was a, I'm pretty sure Rifa did it or somebody from that era. It just said Lawrence Park in like funk letters. Uh -huh. Everything was crispy, everything was clean. And I knew I was looking at something valuable. I just didn't, I didn't have the access to it. Mm -hmm. I would ask my uncle about it and he was, he knew about gang culture. So he would give me his version of it. You mm -hmm. know, uh, I had cousins that were just in the street life and they would give me their version of it when I would ask about it, but I never actually understood that it came as one of the four elements of original, you know, hip hop culture and that it just was, it had this whole backstory that starts way before me and in a way different place. And so mm -hmm. that's always fascinated me. So when I finally got access to that, it just became like a drug to me, you mm -hmm. know, like it was just took over. Um, it wasn't just graph as a visual, it was, 
hip hop as a culture, you know, okay. graph as a visual, breaking as a as a body, you know, art form, and then uh, the emceeing as just wordplay, the music with scratching and DJs, like it, it it really showed me like something different. Mm-hmm. It went hand in hand with music. Yeah. Um, I was a scared little boy when I would leave my grandfather, and so I would walk to. There used to be a Kmart around the corner from his house, and uh, my cousins and everybody else would always warn me, don't go walking anywhere by yourself because you'll get stolen. So in my head, there was, like, dudes in black vans driving around waiting to steal kids. <laughs> waiting to steal yeah, kids. Yeah, so I was terrified, like, being, like, seven years old, bro, like, walking to Kmart. Um, yeah. My grandparents allowed me to do that. My mother was doing her thing at home. So, like, I remember walking being terrified for multiple, like, the first times, and then one christmas goes by i get a walkman with the tape um mm-hmm. i get a tape with this fat puerto rican dude on it and i'm like yo what is what is this even uh i go into my room after christmas and like open it up i put it in and it's big puns capital punishment and oh, i wow. just hear the trains in the background the the whole vibe of the city and i hear mm-hmm. the lingo you know bam bam punisher taking them out bam bam and i'm just like these are kids but they're aggressive like it just, I went deeper into it, bro. Oh, wow. So when I would walk to the store and I had that fear of like, you know, people are going to steal me or whatever, that tape would really make me feel like a badass. Okay. I'd be like, yo, fuck that. I'm like big pun. If yeah, these, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I would take on that. I would take on hip hop. I would let it come through me. You know what I'm saying? And so like that went hand in hand with graffiti. Um, graffiti's not necessarily that anymore, mm. but that's how I got into it. That's how I learned about it. And so, yeah, that was like, that was a, a few years of things and events marinating and just kind of me discovering it, you know? Okay. That was the beginning of a lot of things. Okay. How? So you said it's not like that anymore. I want you to kind of go into that. Like what, when you say anymore, how does, how has Graph changed so, majorly? Yeah. So let's, let's go back to where Graph started, right? Um, In the late seventies. Well, let's go back even further. Spray cans as a technology comes out after World War II. Mm-hmm. The first patents come out for a aerosol style, you know, spray. Okay. Um, just hardware paint, not really anything significant. Fast forward 20 years later, you got kids on the East Coast living in basically third world conditions, learning to express themselves, just living life as poor black and brown and white kids, right? Yeah. And uh, nobody's being seen nobody's being noticed they're all getting washed over passed over um if you've ever grown up on welfare you know that you're in a system you're not a person you are a number in a system yeah you go to school same thing so these people at you know in this point in their life they want to be heard they want to be seen so they start experimenting with the things that they had readily available and that was stealing spray cans you okay know? so some of the first writers uh were doing very ugly well, I wouldn't call it ugly, just very experimental things in the 70s, late mm-hmm. 60s, early 70s. And then you go into the 80s where there's it's developed into like a tagging culture, um, mm-hmm. chicken scratch on walls and trains and things. And then yeah. from there it goes into a full blow just movement, bro. And it, it leaks out from the East Coast into the neighboring cities and it just becomes this subculture, right, that, that kids built. Mm-hmm. And so from there you get there's a particular person who's very important to the culture and the timeline is I think it's Martha Cooper. She, she's a photographer mm-hmm. for like one of the New York publications. And she has a job as like filler photography okay. where she just takes pictures of whatever in oh. order to put in the magazine or the pic, the paper. Like when stock it's, photos. Yeah. Okay. So like 
she had a walkie-talkie in her car exploring New York as this photographer. And so one of the things she would run into during her downtime was just craft. She would see it, mm. wonder about it, not know what it was. One day, I think she sees somebody painting a store. She already had an appreciation for it. She gets in contact with him. Uh, he's one of the little homies in the neighborhood, and he connects her with with Dondi, who's a graffiti king at the time. And okay. she's allowed access to this movement, right? And so from there, she turns around and puts years into, first off, respecting the culture, learning these people, learning who they are, what they do, why they do it, um, yeah. what it takes to do it. She starts to understand that there's levels to this. You know, she just explores it in depth. That leads to her publishing a book called Subway Art. Pretty sure it's called, or Spray Can Art. I don't remember. I think it's Subway Art. Okay. But she publishes that book, and uh, it's a small publication, but it is a nationally recognized company that publishes it, so it goes out into the world. Um, they didn't sell a bunch, but a lot got stolen. Oh, wow. That's the culture. Yeah, we still think. <laughs> so fools are racking the book all over the country, getting exposed to this and understanding that this is a subculture. Well, after that, because or on the piggyback of that, a, a, a documentary comes out called Star Wars, and that's on PBS, public broadcasting service. So that's played all throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And all the other kids who are poor like that in that situation who don't have cable TV, but yeah, they do all have PBS, watch PBS, they're all watching and experiencing it at the same time. Interesting. And so that shit blows up in all these tiny little incendiary situations all over the world. And that's the beginning of graffiti leaking out of the East Coast into the fucking, into the world, right? And so from there, it just... It blows up, dude. And by the early 90s, we have a culture here in Sacramento that has been generations in the works, right? Mm. This dude named Rifa comes from Oakland, um, teaches a bunch of people his letter structure style, how to build letters. And that became the beginning of the Sacramento style. Oh, wow. From there, you have other people that push it, like the Good Times crews, uh, Stu and Jessel and uh, other people after them, like Emer and Minus, who are still around today. You just have mm. a lot of generations of this culture just being pushed you know people are living it experiencing it it's who they are um, yeah. there are so many other facets of it too that help it to be what it is like i did the episode with get a clue with scott gilbert and he was unintentionally you know he just wanted to have a dope spot he starts basically like the home base for hip-hop oh wow you know and it just turns into a store and that's why he's around 30 years later because he respects the culture he is the culture he's in the culture you know and like okay it's it's we're at a point in in graffiti slash hip-hop now to where it's like just like rap used to be rap yeah and then it became pop mm -hmm. you know like that's what graft did too first it was just craft but okay the kids watching uh style wars we're into Led Zeppelin and shit too. All the mm. white boys, oh wow, you know. And so they're they're doing their version of it. Fast forward to basically the early two thousands, you get this like hip hop gets kind of commercialized and makes it not cool. Yeah, that's anymore. a good word. It's not that cool anymore. Yeah, graffiti's for the streets, bro. It's not about being cool. Exactly, it's about being for the fucking streets. Yeah. So kind of you know steers away from that style of rap and hip-hop and what we know now is quote-unquote hip-hop like the mm -hmm. radio yeah you know that has nothing to do with graffiti so graffiti okay. survives on through the people in the culture who come from other cultures mm -hmm. so now it's its own animal bro i just did a uh an interview with one of the homies uh roar lord's crew and he was like straight punk rock bro i went to go see him he had a uh a jean jacket on okay <clears throat> 
excuse me, with the sleeves cut off, had all these like studs in it, like these sharp studs. And I look at him and he's got a mullet, you know, and he's all tatted up. And I'm like, this is fucking a dope ass dude right here. Yeah. Like he looks like his graffiti and it's not from hip hop. Does he have an appreciation? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But he's a punk rock dude. And it's like, yo, this shit outgrew the original blueprint. Mm-hmm. And now it's its own thing. Exactly. And that's what makes it. I mean, that's I don't know. I guess that's just life, right? Things yeah. change. I'm sorry. That was a long ass answer. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I like I like the 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 depth of knowledge for sure. Because yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people who don't know. Yeah. About the you know a lot of, and that I was gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about that later. But like a lot of people know about graffiti and, yeah. and know what it is and can can like name it, but they might not know who the artist is or might not even yeah. know how far back it goes you know some people think they're the first person like look i look what i did like yeah it's like bro there's way back like like i said there's train cars that yeah. have old old art on it that before probably before you're born even go back further right like the first way of communication from a previous civilization is writing on walls yeah exactly like that's in our dna yeah yeah yeah. straight up like now that you have like structured society i get it you don't own the walls don't write on them but yeah Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I think a lot of us can relate to different parts of Gabriel's story. Endlessly curious kid, less than glamorous beginnings, finding a way to cope with everything. This, along with other circumstances, was the perfect recipe for him joining a bubbling movement known as hip hop. He was right at home. Now, looking back on it, he understands that there may have been a better way of coping. But at the time, being a brown kid in a new school, new home, handling some new emotions, hip hop was the only thing that made him feel heard, and more importantly, feel fearless. This deep dive into the culture molded him at a critical time. Gabriel's love for hip hop and graph leads him down a winding path. But to hear more of that story, check that out on his podcast, Have a Dope Day, link in the description. From here, we can continue to learn how his behavior was received by his family, and how he transformed that passion into what we see today. I wanted to um, shift into because you know you you're in North Highlands, kind of getting into graph. Um, you know, I remember I remember you saying like your grandpa passed away and you fully got into graph. Yeah. And you kind of started to rebel a little bit. Yeah through you know like i said i want i want to respect his podcast so go if you want to see the full story go go check it out it's actually really dope i really i listened I to it like it. twice to sort of I appreciate it <laughs> but um i wanted to talk about how like that transition when you're like basically realize like okay graph is not making me money yeah. but i love to do it you you said your stepdad kind of saw that saw that you didn't want to go to school yeah. and he forced you to work like talk about going into the labor force pretty pretty much earlier than most people so like uh first off at like 12 13 you don't have a solid emotional intelligence foundation right yeah so like major shifts in your life can like make or break that very important time frame and so i see that now right but at the time i was just in it i was just reacting to life Mm -hmm. um basically Grandpa passes, it all goes downhill in my head. And like, graph was my little refuge. Um, but that wasn't the only thing. Like, an artist should reflect their art 100%. So mm-hmm. as I'm going deeper into graph, I'm getting further away from the things that 
a little boy is supposed to be doing mm -hmm. you know uh trying to be a good person trying to learn you know what i'm saying like all these things i just i was going deeper into this other direction and so like that wasn't an overnight thing that lasted in all through you know elementary junior high even into high school uh basically bro i just i'm living for graffiti at this point get kicked out of multiple high schools uh I'm learning just about the streets and sneaking out of my house and just, you know, really diving into it. So, yeah, it wasn't like my dad woke up one day and was just like, oh, you're fucking up. You need to go to work. Like yeah. I, had, I had given him Reasons. a solid track record yeah. of fucking up. So uh, I'm 17. I'm living at home. I'm not doing shit with my life. Uh, they fully know I'm out fucking around. They fully know I am not going to graduate high school. Um I'm ditching like 70% of the year at my continuation school because I learned how to ditch school and go, you know, work on the graffiti craft during the day. So like, I remember one day he's like, you're going to start going to work and you're going to start working with me. And I was like, no, nah, I'll go back to school. And he's like, no, nah, you won't Yeah, you won't go back to school. Like you've, you're already too far. Him and my mom sit me down and they're just like, you can make this much money doing this and that. Um, we'll put you in a trade. At least you'll have a job. And I'm just like, fuck that so it was actually <laughs> it was good and bad all at the same time right it's a new experience so having my own money for the first time was dope uh 90 of it went to just my lifestyle graffiti and hip-hop it's definitely something about having money yeah. for the first time especially when you have no bills it's like yeah, i definitely. can do anything i yeah. want i remember getting my first check and it being like 700 dollars, and i'm just like oh, wow. what the fuck yeah because i'm working with my dad right we're going in at 5 a.m leaving at 8 p.m uh for like 90 days straight that's my that's my clock you know um during the weekends he's still going in but i'm i'm not um or sometimes i do because he needs me to but like i learn about what this trade actually is like the first year and it's rough as shit right <laughs> this is not for like soft dudes um so i'm in the automotive industry i'm a, a painter now but i started out as a detailer in a body shop and like we go through it me and him um those first 10 years of like being out of the house i really just ran my body rugged bro i'd work yeah. hard as hell all week mm -hmm. as soon as fucking friday came and it was i got my check i was in the streets climbing billboards mm -hmm. running from the police hiding in dumpsters and shit you know mm -hmm. like just just being wild um so it was it was definitely crazy and like even now in the workforce it's like well I'm so grateful that I that that happened to me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have any. I wouldn't. We. I wouldn't be where I am today if that didn't happen like that. So, I'm glad it happened. I'm grateful for it. I'm totally glad that they cared enough about me to be like, try this, figure this out. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of just being like, you're 18, go do what you do. Mm -hmm. So, shout That's out to up. mom and dad. No, 100. percent Yeah. I, I think it's dope too, cause like, I mean, this me kind of just um, from going off what you, we the, a prior conversation too. Yeah. It's dope to like hear like back then it was like like you said work till you know work your ass off till friday yeah friday and then it's like time to take this money and like do what i love to do with yeah it. and it's kind of cool like talking to you recently it's like it's kind of that same energy still like yeah it is you work till friday and it's like you have your podcasts and events and things like that mm -hmm. so it's cool to see like how that routine is like continued and and um evolved even today definitely and it's like a i definitely learned quote unquote how a man is supposed to work you know yeah. from from the men before me 
I have great examples now of men that are entrepreneurs who own their own companies, do their own things. And it's like, there's a version of that that's healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's very, I'm very fortunate, bro, to mm -hmm. have seen both these lifestyles, to have lived them and to just be in them still, but in a healthy way, in a refined way. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So it's, it's dope. So before I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into how you, how you got to the podcast side of it. Yeah. Before <laughs> we get to that, I wanted to talk about something that I thought was pretty cool. Cause fun fact, I mean, I'm not the flyest today, but like, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fashion fan. Like I'm, I yeah. love fashion. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, you know, fashion has its inspirations for music as well and things yeah. like that. It was cool. Like learning about graph and then like hearing you talk about graph. And just seeing how there's a lot of similarities yeah. between fashion and graffiti, especially the term toy. Oh, is that a fashion term too? So it's not a fashion term, but the idea behind like you like you said toy, the way you explained yeah. it was toys like somebody just don't know anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like and like you can't get respect from other writers until you like know something. Yeah, yeah. You gotta put some time in. And it's like and it's not hard to find the information. I yeah. mean it's not easy to find the information at all. So in fashion, it's kind of the same way. Like, we, we know we see it everywhere. It's like in plain sight. But like, if you don't have that mind's eye, it's like yeah. you don't know what that is. And it's, but you, if you can go see that information, people will recognize you. And yeah. I think it's cool that like, you know, there's like a lot of like example when you talk about like uh, racking, yeah, yeah. you know, and boosting. Yeah. Like that, there's like a heavy, like a Culture fashion. behind that, yeah. Cause like some of the flies people yeah. were either gang, gangsters. Yeah. So they made money that way. Or they literally had to steal their clothes or find some way yeah. to finesse clothes. Just a quick little side tour. I have a friend that's 100% homeless. Yeah. Strung out. Flyest person I know every time I see him. No lie. Yeah. Always still in the dopest shoes. Always got on like neon colors, but it's always polo. It's all, And I'm like, bro, what the fuck is going on with your life right now? Like that didn't leave you, fam? Like you, you got rid of everything else, but you kept that? Yeah. He pulled up on me the other day and I'm like, you got on new Adidas? Like these are white. You live, yeah. <laughs> you know, are you these doing? are clean. Yeah, like what are you doing? He's just, there's a lot of reading in between the lines when it comes to subcultures, right? That's what yeah. makes them special too. It's like, oh, this dude knows what's up, right? He knows where to find it. She knows where to find it. The reading in between the lines is what makes it exclusive. If you mm -hmm. can't, if there's a direct access to it, everybody would have it. It wouldn't be that tight. You exactly. know, and it wouldn't be that valuable. Exactly. So like having access to something is extremely important. It's also one of the hardest things to do if you if you're like uh, not willing to just be uncomfortable. Exactly. You're not willing to go explore, make some mistakes, you know, so. Well, see, and that's another similar too, because like I'm pretty sure, like you said, I remember you, you joked about it. Like when you first started tagging, it was like, yeah. like you thought it was the best thing, but you know, yeah. looking back and like, yeah, man, what was I doing? No, even, yeah, even like, up, yeah, I even still think of pieces like that, that yeah. I have them just like, that was not a good day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like that in fashion, you know, you, you, yeah. you I think you, if you go, there's like a, I can't remember, but I remember there was like a section on, on some kind of interview where somebody asked people to react to their old outfits yeah. and oh, like seeing what? that and it's like, Oh my God! What was I yeah. thinking? Like I thought this was the flyest thing ever. It's like yeah. So it's like cool to have to see like that ex that exploration too. So I just wanted to highlight that point because I think it's like I said, even like borrowing gear. Like mm -hmm. you know, if you're in fashion, like especially if you're deep in it, it's like you understand you can't buy everything. Yeah. You can't steal everything. But yeah. like, if your friend got something, hey, let me let me get that for the outfit tonight. I have a homie. Whatever. I have a homie named Ruko who was uh, 
for a long time he was he was hustling doing his thing right get getting it out the street and like when i met him he didn't have an extensive shoe collection Uh i did though because i had already had a job for years and i was older so like fast forward 10 years later he's got every sb that comes out that that's like a dope ass drop you know what i'm saying like he's a fly ass dude still Mm -hmm. always got his hair cut he's all tatted up like he's just when you think of the personality behind the graffiti like i said it should match Mm -hmm. so like when you see him it makes sense and i've always loved that about subcultures in general when you see these people they look like they've spent time building this to themselves yeah you know what i'm saying and so it's valuable to see that and be like yo fam like you curated this whole outfit which is basically your lifestyle you know and that's that's how you curate other things too i always love that about street culture and that's that leads directly into the podcast too oh so that's so that'll be a perfect segue then podcast yeah a graffiti yeah podcast at least it started that way and it's yeah. evolving. I see like yeah. the different guests now because you just, I, I just feel like you love to learn about different I cultures, do. especially people who are like yeah. real about it. So, how does, like, you know, where does that, you know, how'd you find out about podcasting? How'd you, you know, where did this, like, where did the ideation start? Yeah. So, it's not my idea at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. Yeah. As a producer, the owner, we are Sacramento, Mario Lopez. Like, there was, check this out. So, I, Graph leads into a very different lifestyle than okay. where I leave today. Uh, you know, I get hooked on a substance, run that shit up. I'm in the streets doing it. Uh, just, you know, opioids was my thing for a minute. And mm-hmm. so I get clean. I go through a process called uh, like a maintenance drug, maintenance program. Okay. And it's methadone, right? So I go through methadone, blah, blah, blah. That shit sucked. I get out of that just before the pandemic cracks off and I'm like, learning about what am I going to do now that I don't have therapy anymore now that I don't have counseling anymore like interesting what am I going to do to keep myself straight I always loved art I always loved not art but graph I always loved everything about it I just couldn't do it anymore because in order to exist in that space Mm -hmm. in the streets you have to live eat breathe that and you have to be a fucking dog bro you got to be ready to to you know whatever comes next you just got to be ready for it that was okay before kids that was okay before personal growth like exactly now as an adult with the family trying to make money and be a decent human being like i i had to figure some things out so the pandemic cracks off i spend months in the body shop after hours uh on weekends just experimenting with canvases and art Okay. You know, and like still trying to do graph on canvas and like I was just learning a new skill, a new thing. I'm a craftsman at heart, so diving into this new process is was extremely valuable. So yeah. a friend of mine, overrated, has a show at a space called Tower Brewery and he's like just I had owed him some money from a pill deal from back in the day, right? Yeah. I burned him. And so I call him up, I'm clean, I give him his money. He's hella cool about it. Uh, totally should have told me to fuck off and just keep going, but Overrated is a good person. So, yeah. Anyways, he invites me to this show a little bit later because I tell him like, "Yo, I've been experimenting with canvases." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, well, I'm doing this art thing too." He had caught like some multiple felony cases and all this and that. Okay. So he was trying to turn it around too, and I was like, "Well, I don't, nah, bro. I'm from the streets. I don't do art shows." And he's just <laughs> like, "All right, that's cool." But he's also the same way. Like, I know, I know his resume. He's a legit writer. Yeah. So like, well, if he did it, let me just go try it out. <clears throat> 
I wind up getting obsessed with the idea of what this could be, right? Yeah. And I remember even before that, just kind of in in uh, recovery, just thinking like, I can't go back to being the same person. Yeah. Like that's not the goal here. You yeah. Know, the goal is going to be to be a different person. And so like, that was the beginning of a lot of personal growth. Fast forward months later, uh, one of the homies that used to be in the graph was still a part of the hip hop culture. My homie Marcos uh-huh. had a podcast called The Word Is Bond. Okay. And he was like, yo, can you get me this, this and that person to be on the podcast? I was like, yeah, let me try to quarterback that, set it up. They weren't down. So <laughs> they weren't down. Yeah, I was just like, no, nah, bro, he's not. And he just hit me up weeks later like, yo, you want to come on and talk, talk shit? And I was like. I've I don't have anything to say and he's like bro just talk about graffiti and I'm like are you sure like (laughs) is that are you sure we can do that are you sure you want to do that so I show up to the studio space which is right here down the street 3400 Broadway at the loft and he was just like this is my my recording equipment these are my homies Mario Lopez is sitting off to the side doing his thing like Uh I walk in I'm extremely nervous I have this piece of art that I just put together over the next over the last few months i have no idea if i'm doing art right or not yeah you know like i just i show up and i'm like you know what i'm gonna just be me fuck it okay what happens that episode comes out uh my instagram is just starting so like it really helped boost some of that stuff and like the response tripped me out of how many people remembered who i was from the streets here because the scene is small and because the city was not fully developed as big as it is now so there was a, a core culture of people that remembered me and that was very encouraging. So like I turn around and like just dive deep back into art during the pandemic. Right. Like I just get it. I keep mm-hmm. getting it. I keep learning, keep doing this, keep researching, keep going to shows like just I dive into it. And uh, there comes a point to where other art podcasts are popping up because now I'm interested in what art is also. OK. I can't do graph in the streets anymore. Yeah. So like me being just from that street culture i was like well shit i'm a i'm a i'm a wiggle my way into something let me see what's you know what i'm saying see what's going on yeah, let, let me see what i get what i'm gonna get yeah so i just started looking around and like there's an art scene here okay i've accessed the graffiti scene i know how to navigate and politic my way through that i've been doing it in the city for years like mm-hmm. i wonder if those skills will translate turns out they do long story short or long story longer whatever my bad <laughs> yeah uh I get invited to another podcast, sit down with him. I do the episode and like I have hella personal growth, but I'm not understanding myself as a brand. I okay. don't know how to not say certain things. Interesting. Right. So I just come out super honest, super like I'm a drug addict. I did this and that. And it was it was very beneficial for me to just be authentically honest. But at the same time there's no direction there Mm. so after that the host leaves after that episode the host leaves and the producer is like yo you should start a graffiti podcast and automatically in my head i'm just like nah we're for the streets out here won't do that yeah you know what i'm saying and then he's just like think about it you know and then he goes like he just goes look this might hurt your feelings but you're letting your addiction define you and i was just like in my head you know Mario, it's all good. Like I said now, because me and Mario have a different relationship. But in my head, I'm like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Like, yeah. But at the same time, right after that statement is made, in my head, I'm like, whoever this guy thinks he is, he's right. Like, fuck. And I drive home just two inches tall in my own mind. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, well, if I'm only two inches now, I can grow. What am I going to grow as? 
Yeah. I remember that conversation with myself about coming back as a different person. Okay. Right. And I'm just like, you know what? I just start thinking, what if? I don't say anything, but mm-hmm. just what if? And so the idea of a podcast marinates in my mind for like two weeks. Yeah. That episode was supposed to come out. It didn't. And me being from the streets, I think like, yo, this dude's trying to play me. This yeah. dude's disrespecting me. Like, you know, fuck it. Fuck these fools. Like, I'm going to show them how, to, how this is done, even though I have no idea yeah. how to do this. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea how he's to He's like, do this. listen, I don't know yeah. what to do, but I can do it better than yeah. what he's doing for and sure. That, that was the other thing, too, is like you, you get the art of conversation has always been something that I've been aware of. Okay. So you can see how people have conversations and how there's. You know, that's definitely a skill that needs to be honed and directed. But at the time, mm-hmm. I just knew I had access to something nobody else did. Mm-hmm. So I call the producer the next week and I'm like, yo, uh, what's up with this whole podcast thing you're talking mm-hmm. about? And he's like, well, what can you afford? And I was I tell him my numbers and he's like, man, traditionally, this is this is a way bigger thing than that. He's like, but look. I'm interested in you. I want to know what would happen if we did this, you know? And I'm, so I'm just like, all right, here's what I could commit to. Like straight up, I give you my word for the next six months. I could do this number. Um, I have no other plan, bro. Aside from this is what it would cost to do it. (laughs) I know he knows how to do the other half of it. So compartmentalizing what's what I'm like, well, there's also passion there. Yeah. There's hella passion too. And I'm like, here's the thing. It can't be just a graffiti podcast because the streets, won't that's not sustainable yeah the streetway doesn't allow that the street state of mind so what about subcultures and he goes ooh, and i'm like okay he's he's digging this i'm like what about uh my whole life i've grown up here bro i know about lowrider subculture i know about fashion subculture like i've seen it i've been a part of it what about just highlighting subculture and he's like i know what to call it and i'm like what he goes have a dope day the piece you just made that you showed in your art show have a dope day. Interesting. And I was like, fuck it. I don't know if that's good or bad. Let's just go. Yeah. So I show up. Uh, I think Mar- Mario's very, very good about reading in between the lines. He's very good about tracking trajectory and guiding it. Fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's good, right? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <coughs> I have a lot of love and respect for him. But anyways, I think he saw a lot that I didn't see. Yeah. And so he's just like, just do, just go, start. He would direct me on things. Um, I'm learning about art scene here at the same time. And so I'm just like seeing all the shows, seeing all the people in there. But I'm just being honest about it, too. If I don't like something, I just won't fuck with it, regardless of the Instagram numbers, regardless of the hype behind it. Exactly. Just in order to be to live in sobriety i have to be honest with myself yeah and that's with everything that translates into everything okay so that's that's like my truth now bro is like mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying just be authentic doesn't have to be this fabricated story just it is what it is already the work's done okay so the first episode i'm just like how does this work and he's like you're gonna record a trailer with me then you figure out how you're gonna do this you got to learn about podcasting you could be an interviewer you can just talk about graph like what do you want to do and i'm like nah not me just talking about it i was like in my head i'm like let me try to bust this move real quick see yeah, if i can get a big move. fish yeah uh there's somebody that i'm just like gaga over like so there's a dude named cheyenne randall an artist that lives here in sacramento now he was putting up all these dope ass wheat pacing pictures and i had painted a wall with my boy overrated 
that was next to one of his pieces and I couldn't I couldn't figure out if this was digital, if it was a painting, I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's eight feet high, it's seven feet long, like mm. it's a big ass piece of Frida Kahlo and like she's all tatted up though, and I'm like, yo, what's this dude's deal? What's this dude's story? And like I see another piece of uh you know, Elvis and no, not Elvis, my bad. Uh Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. Okay. I think like I just see other work from him and I start looking into him and like I'd already been a fan like a year before I did the podcast and I'm like I see him in person at a show that another artist is having yeah. at a collaboration piece and I'm like okay this is weird because in my head he's this dope ass artist which he still is but in person he's just a guy uh-huh. and he's accessible okay like, let me just hit him up and see what happens okay so I hit him up and I'm like, look, I have no idea how this works. I have mm. no idea how to do an interview, mm. but like, I want to start a podcast. Here's my vision, my short term vision that I have now. Like, I'd really love for you to be the first person to help me kick this off. Uh, I can pay you if I need to or whatever. And he's just like, no need to pay me. Um, I've seen you like liking my stuff. Like, I appreciate you being a fan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll do your podcast. And I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah. I don't tell Mario nothing because I don't know Mario at the time, really. I show up and I'm like, this is the person who's coming. And he goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, this person has 250,000 followers on Instagram and they're verified. And I'm like, so what? His artist type. Like, and he's a great person. Like, I can tell by the information I found on him. Yeah. There's something here. There's a human being here I want to learn about. Nice. I do that recording with him super nervous i had a list of questions quickly found out a list of questions is not my style yeah Um, i'm cursing every other word i'm still fresh off the street and that episode comes out and because of the guests it gets 800 streams right out of the gate no no paid product no paid promotion no nothing it's just mario's professionalism with the product Mm -hmm. and my authenticity with the story and Cheyenne putting in all those years of work, building the network he has and just building a a body of work and just grinding. The other thing was I thought to myself, holy shit, this makes the two of us look good. Like I just I can tell people the greatest things about him that they wouldn't know anywhere else. And that's that's wild. Right. Yeah, exactly. So as I'm learning about podcasting and conversations, I'm also just learning about different types of art. Yeah. So these two things have gone and grown hand in hand with mm-hmm. me. As I learn about art and I discover a new keyword, the Renaissance period, uh, you know, postmodernism, all this and that, mm-hmm. I start to just look for that in my local area, in my city. And so I'm like, nice. As I learn about it in my life, I, I try to catalyze that learning with a person. Okay. You know, or somebody from a different scene that okay. maybe will point me in a different direction. And what's happened is, I've gone so far down the artist rabbit hole that like I'm just fully addicted to art now. When I say art, I mean the podcast, the shows, making art, um, the art of conversation, the business of it. You know what I'm saying? People will give me money to paint what I want. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That That concept is foreign. That feels like stealing. Like it literally does. Um, And it's, it's crazy. Like I've also been able to show my thanks for people that have helped me along the way. Going back to my boss, Justin and Kelly, the owners of the Ultimate Collision Center. They were able to uh, come out, celebrate the beer release of the We Are Sacramento beer because, you know, Justin was on the can. OPB had us out, had a big party. Mario 
did a great job with the pitchers and he you know we're on the label for that time him and nice. i are both on the beer can um and that was great dude we got to have a great time it was something different like they appreciated i appreciated everything for so long That's so and then fast forward six months i asked for a sponsorship for the podcast they cut me a check that day okay. like um I write this commercial out like six times, <laughs> uh, Googled like all the words in it. Cause again, I don't have any great schooling. Yeah. Um, I stumble bum my way through the, through the initial conversation with them. This is, this is the, the commercial I have for you. And it's like, I just stumbled it. I totally fumbled it, but they knew what, it, what, you know, they yeah. saw the potential and they had been out to the art shows. They see what's going on. Exactly. Um, Kelly cut me a check that day and I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is happening now. Yeah. Like a year of the podcast is paid for. Like this is only a year old. Like, yeah, exactly. This is wild. But I say all that to just say that like, uh, when you approach things honestly and you don't, you're not on no weird shit. Yeah. Exactly. trying to be like, if you're not focused on trying to get yours, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like good things will come to you, return that energy back into the universe or karma, whatever you want to call it. And it'll, It'll continue, bro. It's like this. It's like this cycle of positivity that I'm like in right now, mm -hmm. and it's just it's radiating through everything. Um, so yeah, that's how the podcast started. So yeah, I think that was I think that was a perfect way of fleshing it out too. Cause yeah, that that that's pretty much fleshed it all out, hundred <laughs> percent. I do want to ask you, um, you know, because you did talk about what drove you to do it. You know, it was initially, you know, kind of like I can, you know, you felt like burnt, you felt burned. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I got to show them that I can do this. Yeah. And you, then you kind of grew into that love. So I want to ask you, like, what's some of the highlights and like some of the frustrations of like having a podcast? Because some people don't know. Yeah. Some people see a podcast, they think like, oh, you just get the person on there and yeah, then yeah. you got to chop it up. But there's a lot more that goes into a podcast. And I'm pretty sure you know that more than anybody. Yeah. So the most valuable thing the podcast has taught me, right, is how to use ego as a tool who how to use ego as okay. a tool interesting me saying like oh this dude played me that's my ego <laughs> right like yeah. that's my ego me calling and being like let's do it that's my ego okay me being humbled by somebody checking it and going you're letting addiction lead you you know you're letting these things lead you it wasn't it was hurtful for a split second uh -huh. but ego was also like wait a minute dummy if you're letting that lead you you can let whatever lead you. Interesting. And so, like, it's Sometimes as I learn nice. about these people and I see the guests on the podcast, like, yo, this person is humble, but they got this dope ass skill. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be like movie star style in my mind. Okay. The, all these artists on the podcast have taught me to check my own ego because they're all emotionally mature from different places in life. Not mm -hmm. everybody grows up. Like I did. Yeah, exactly. I just learned from these people and the admiration and respect that I have from them. I try to take on because it's it's successful for them. Mm -hmm. You know, art is subjective, so it almost doesn't matter how you paint. Forgive me for saying that. But it's 90 percent about the person in the journey, bro. Mm -hmm. Like the creativity of art. I mean, the business part is a whole nother thing. But like the podcast, Interesting. greatest thing it's taught me, I guess, is you know the the eat to use ego as a tool i try now to just check that ego 100 percent mm. unless i get myself into a corner you know then i pull it back out in a different yeah. way but <laughs> get myself in a corner yeah so okay so i want to 
ask you then, um, I was going to ask you, you know, like if you had to say, God forbid, something happened. Yeah. And you had to start, you had to start over from scratch. Yeah. You know, all episodes of God Scrubs or whatever. Yeah. How would you go about it? Like, how would you go about it now? If you had to like start from ground zero, zero subscribers. If I had to start from ground zero, zero subscribers, uh, first off, I feel like I got to thank everybody that streams the podcast, that listens, that's been along for this journey. Definitely appreciate it. I didn't expect it to, to do what it does now. Mm-hmm. You know, the audience is, is wild, bro. This thing's less than a year old, or it's about a year and a couple months old, and there's we're a couple thousand away from 20,000 streams. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's been wild what i would change differently is the preparation into the product itself okay i would i would take a step back i'd probably write it out podcast in the center what's the preparation needed for this product okay um what's the plan of attack for this you know brand like what are we doing here okay i'd been tiptoeing through it like blindly just kind of going with the flow Okay. But if I could have prep, I felt like I'd be further faster. Mm. Again, checking the ego and utilizing the tools around me. Mm-hmm. Mario Lopez has, in the We Are Sacramento podcast, the whole crew, Miles, Mari, and Mario all have three years into podcasting. Yeah. What I should have did was sat down with them, asked politely for a meeting, sat down with them and said, what do I need to know about podcasting? Yeah. And just have that brainstorm conversation with them. Okay. And then... Based on the information they gave me, sit down with Mario and be like, what do I need to know about the art of conversation? Yeah. Like, I would utilize the tools that I have available better in preparation. Okay. And everything after that, bro, will just fall into place. Like, okay. you know, there's a bunch of books I've been reading. One of the quotes that have stuck with me is you fail to your highest level of preparation. And so, like, okay, that shit's key now. Like, I would just, that's what I would do differently. That makes sense. That's what's up. So now. Listening to Gabriel speak, you can sense a stoicism about him. He doesn't tell his story from a place of pity, but with a stark indifference. His story is just that, his story. But he doesn't let that define who he is today. He accepts the struggles of his past and now, with the helpful nudge from Mario, uses them as tools to pave the way to his success along with his knowledge he has gained from his other mentors. He used his graph connections as a way to get guests on the podcast and repurpose his wheeling and dealing skills as a way to negotiate himself into the art world. We can't change yesterday, but we can navigate where we go tomorrow. This is the spirit that drives Gabriel and allows him to be in the rooms with the right people and more importantly, with the right attitude. Let's continue to listen as he talks about how he finds his version of balance through prioritizing. I want to go into, uh, this is the part of the podcast, I guess, where we go into what I call like the balance of it. You know, how do you, you know, you got life, life and you got, you know, now you got the podcast, you got your first sponsor, which is a big deal. You know, not you also doing different things on the side, like you know your art shows, and your own personal art as well. As far as like actual canvases, are yeah. you still doing canvases, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, like, and I'm, we're gonna go through this, but like that balance of it, like, 
because something I also want to point out is like something I noticed about like learning about you. Uh-huh. You've had a lot of mentors. Yeah. And I wanted to like kind of highlight that because, you know, you had your grandpa yeah. just showing you sack, teaching a little Spanish. You know, you had your stepdad. Yeah. Kind of, you know, helping you, helping you, guiding through through that rough patch of your life. Uh-huh. You know, you had the homie when you went to, I think it was a charter school. Yeah. Who put you on to like letting you know like you need to learn more about graph. Yeah. Even when you're like, you know, in your industry, you know, Peter, Paul, Mary, you know, yeah. teaching you more how to love your craft more. Like, I wanted to, one, ask you, like, how do you feel about those mentors in your life? Like, like how, you know, how, how I want you to speak about the importance of having those kind of people in your life. It's extremely important. There's no, I think growing up without a biological father for the first few years of my life is the greatest gift I could have because now everybody's like a little father. Okay. Like everybody gives knowledge. And I don't treat them as they're my father, but I just see yeah. I see who they are, where they are, and I'm like, I can learn something from here. You know? And I have from everybody that I've I should have learned more. Yeah. You know, I look back and I'm just like, why didn't I learn more? But whatever. Um they've all been extremely instrumental in getting me to this point. Again, that's the preparation part, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've all put into me here's the final product you see at me 35 okay we're still i'm still being put into mm-hmm. me and mario have very long talks about you know just this and that um mm-hmm. same thing with the owner of the shop that i work for justin and uh my other buddy bazooka tooth he's a business owner himself but he's he's just a different person too that is i value his opinion and his knowledge so like people are extremely important now it's not just men either yeah my mother has taught me like a completely hyper level of strength that mm. I've never I've only seen it in one other person and that's my girlfriend that I have now yeah the mother of my children that's the only other person I've seen that much strength in like okay to put up with me and my stuff and still be here um takes a strong person yeah. you know I've seen that in my mother I see that in her and I don't deserve any of these people but they're here and I'm fortunate to have them um my grandmother was the same way you know she was extremely strong I saw her She's like a devoted Catholic, and I seen her pray for everyone that she touched during the day, mm-hmm. you know, and that was wild to me. Um, the last time I seen her, actually, before she passed, and I didn't want to ruin this, so I didn't go to her funeral or anything. Okay. Last time I seen her, she had given me, like, I was driving away in the car, and I had, like, these two 12s in the back of my car that was slapped. But I, <laughs> I'm leaving Grandma's house, so I don't turn them yeah. up, right? And she, I see her, I pause for a second, I look at her, and I'm like, this might be one of the last times I've ever seen her. And she, she crosses me, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, I'm going to paint tonight. She gave me her blessing. I'm going to go hit something crazy. Yeah. I didn't value what that was, right? Until like later on, I'm like, yo, she's been saving my ass this whole time in her own way. All these people have. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the, the mentors, the examples are extremely important. It plays into now, who do I want to be to my children? Do I want to be... A, a graffiti thug dude or do yeah. I want to be somebody successful <laughs> exactly like, you know what I'm saying what I want to do so they're That's extremely just, important and I wanted to say too because I want to say that the I want to say mentors are like um, aren't viewed the same because I yeah. think there's still people still see, see the importance of mentors yeah but I feel like a lot of people feel like the information they're getting now especially with the internet is like they're getting it themselves yeah and how do you feel like you know g- if you just got that knowledge but you didn't get it from those people do you feel like it would be still applied the same or do you feel like it, a lot of it is that person as well 
No, it's definitely the the personal thing. Because to me, body language, action speaks way louder than words does. So like, first, all these people in my life showed me things. You know what I'm saying? First, um, the internet is cool. It's definitely valuable. But if you can't run somebody's name yeah. through a network, call and backtrack on them, like in the street, it's just words. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know these people on the internet now. There are people that I listen to that are proven to have done things in their lives that mm-hmm. make the information they choose to put on the internet extra valuable okay. because they have a track record of performance. So it is extremely valuable. I, I truly believe now that like the person to person is extremely valuable, but I also believe knowledge, valuable knowledge from any source is valuable knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, like so I kind of take them both. I do appreciate the in-person stuff way more because that's they're taking time out of their lives, bro. So mm. pour into you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's extremely valuable by itself. So Exactly. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. You know, yeah, I was, yeah, I just kind of, wa- I wanted to highlight that because I, I think that was the dopest part about, because I definitely have my own mentors in my life as yeah. well. And I, like like you said, my, my dad is technically in my life. He's, you know, I've always had contact, but my dad's never been like here every day type deal. Like, yeah. I've had other men step, in my, step into my life. And like you said, I like how you explained that, um, Everybody becomes your dad in that way. Yeah, you know, everybody they, comes your father because yeah, you can learn something from everybody respect. else. Yeah, and it's like I don't try to do too many. I don't try to let my own children down too much. Like you had asked something about balance earlier. I'm completely not balancing things well right now. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, let me. I don't know if you ever do, bro. Yeah. Because how do you maintain the trajectory you're on? Okay. If you're getting off the trajectory. Exactly. I just okay. I haven't figured that part out yet. I don't know how that goes. Um, I will figure it out. I'll figure out some form of it. So you know? I want to ask you because I mean, even though you, I know you say you don't have, com- you know, um, and truthfully, I don't. You know, my truthful answer. I don't think there is a balance. Yeah. Which is why I kind of like, it's like it's about like kind of like finding your own balance. Yeah. In your in your certain cir- circumstances. So I want to ask you like, what are some of the like the tools or like, you know, maybe tools that you use systems that make sure I keep you like grounded yeah. or keep you your head in the place where you needs to be at those given times. So time management is one of them. Uh, management of myself as an economy, as a, as a producer of things. Okay. Manage learning that I am my own little economy. You know what I'm saying? Like my time is a valuable, the most valuable asset I have okay. in my economy. Like my home, is a subversion of my economy. My own personal economy is my household. You know, okay. So all these things, all of this has been part of the trajectory of personal growth. Now where I'm at is like, I don't mind being gone from the family if I know that 10% is being put away from the money I'm making while I'm gone. Nice. Because when you get into a jam or you get into an issue, there's, I don't, I'm done asking for help financially from people. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. As an addict, I, I won't do that again. I won't show my kids that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't ever think of a time in my own head where my father gave up and tapped out because it's never happened. I've never seen it. Yeah, exactly. If I do the same thing in a different system for my children, it'll set them up different. Okay. So, like, I'm thinking way more steps ahead. Uh, I felt like this same time, maybe last year, I was playing checkers, you know what I'm saying, with everything. This year I'm playing chess. Okay. So it's, you just, you naturally evolve into the position. Okay. And then when you get there, don't be afraid of it. Like, you just, 
lean into it, bro, and see what happens, you know? And instinct will tell you, I'm spending too much time over here. You know, people will react and you'll see what's going on. But I truly believe that I have to see them kids. I have to experience the family at least once a day, you know, okay. uh, on the weekends. I do that a little more in depth, but I only have, I've done all this art stuff and this podcast stuff with a full-time job working 50 hours a week. Like, oh, wow. I just, so time management is the new thing for me that's at the forefront of a lot of things that I do. After this, I have another meeting with mm -hmm. somebody else coming here. And then after that, I have a podcast recording. Nice. And then the rest of the day from one to whenever is for the wife and the kids. Nice. See what happens. Tomorrow, it'll be, I have like four or five hours in the morning um, that I have for the family. I'm going to take them out to breakfast and just by 11, I'll be at the, at the space, at the medium. So we could start setting up for the show. Okay. I'll be out of there by seven. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So Sorry. like time management sticking to my system and my process is one of the ways i try to implement balance the problem is you know i'm kind of drowning an opportunity here yeah. there's a lot of things going on mm -hmm. and uh they all play a part in the overall picture bigger picture but it feels a little bit overwhelming at this point so i kind of just slow down a little bit we're coming to the end of some of those things playing all the way out okay which is cool there'll be some relief but like I just, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So, like, these tools become more important every day. Wow. So, yeah. I, I, so I wanted to go, I won't hold you up too much longer. I want to go a little bit into that economy thing you said. Yeah. That you're you're your own personal economy. Like, yeah. what, it, what is that? Where did you get it from? And, you know, can you explain? I, I think you explained it pretty well, <laughs> yeah. but just, All right. I think that's an interesting point. No, yeah, and I, I kind of made that up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that, though. I when I started hearing about, oh, we're going into the, another recession, and there would be the Great Recession of 08, all these, all these loaded words from the media, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, the media is all about, like, misinformation. So whatever they're talking about is 10 times bigger than what it actually is. Mm -hmm. Let me talk to somebody that has a bigger worldview of what's going on okay. who's been through the entrepreneurship during these ups and downs okay let me i need more information yeah. the most important thing before you fight something is information okay information allows you to prep prepare yourself you know and that preparation leads to you winning or failing okay so I'm, with all these keywords and all this fear roaming around i call mario lopez boom what the fuck does recession mean for me yeah at this age and what i'm doing and like I said, reading people, being good at conversation, he goes, are you eating steaks every night? And I go, no, I can't afford that. And he goes, are you going to buy a new car anytime soon? I'm like, no, I own my car, no car note. And he's like, are you going to make a huge purchase anytime soon? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm stable where I'm at. And he goes, then don't worry. Are you, oh, wait, are you going to stop hustling? And I'm like, fuck no, I'm just getting started. He's like, then don't worry about a recession. It doesn't matter, bro. Yeah. Like put it into perspective very easily he's like the economy overall will do what it's going to do regardless of what's going on exactly like you have very little control of that mm -hmm. so just focus on what you can control and the, i compartmentalize all that information into two keywords right or three my personal economy like okay. me and so i just started looking at it like that one of the things i also am into is like uh uh war tactics and like just strategy okay i love listening to the stories of general Patton crossing you know the european theater in world war ii oh wow the, uh the uss enterprise going through the pacific battle by itself what it took to do that 
the men, the material, the time, how it all played out, mm -hmm. examining the timeline and the system, right? Like, mm -hmm. it just, it's very fascinating to me. So I started doing that inwardly, like, what's my timeline? What's my system? What am I doing to combat these issues? Like, what's going on? And like, it also allows you to cut a bunch of bullshit out, a bunch of fat. Like, if you got things that need to get done, I need to do this, I need to do that really make some of these decisions easy like i don't i don't go out to clubs i don't hang out i don't have a very big social life outside of this move getting to the next three moves okay you know, like um the time with the family is the only time that i have to just take a couple deep breaths and just chill that's what painting up. cars is super easy for me like it's just robotic outside of matching colors you know okay. that can be tricky um but again at the shop we do a great job of nailing everything so it's just about doing the work but yeah, just learning or talking to myself as my own personal system. Okay. How am I going to manage this, every little part of it? How's it going to benefit me? Uh -huh. you know, what's got to go away in order for it to benefit me? Like, okay, dope. Sometimes that's uncomfortable. You know, some of those things that go away are probably people. Mm -hmm. So, that's what's yeah. up. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good point to end it on right there. Uh, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> one, tell people. What you got going on, you know where okay. to find you at, um, different things that you're doing, getting ready to do, and um, yeah, the platform's yours now. Okay, so again, my name's Gabriel Lopez. I'm the host of Have a Dope Day, uh, streaming on all platforms. Just Have a Dope Day, Spotify, Apple, all that. Um, you can catch me on Instagram at Have a Dope Day 916, or my personal artist page, which I also promote the podcast on, is G S Ultimatic U L T I M A T I C. Um, yeah i appreciate you for the interview thank you for old soul for letting us do this it definitely got loud in here definitely so. got a little bit loud in here but hopefully it didn't get picked up too good too bad in these mics but i mean that's what i kind of like about being here i like the busyness yeah it is. like it kind of reminds me it's more of real life like a coffee shop conversation oh exactly yeah. so appreciate you gabriel it was a good time i enjoyed it oh let me give one more shout out before i go go ahead shout uh, him out big ups to miles you know, Madi and Mario from the We Are Sacramento crew producing my podcast, putting in all the work that they did the years before. Um, they also produce podcasts. So if you're, you know, thinking about doing something like that or you want to up your game already, they're totally available for that. You can reach them at We Are Sacramento on Instagram. Um, yeah, and shout out to the Ultimate Collision Center for covering the, the bill for the podcast and just I have shows coming up this year. I'm, I don't know when this will air, but tomorrow I'll actually be throwing a show called Vandals on Canvas with the Medium Tattoo and Gallery over on Freeport. So a lot, there's a okay. lot of movement. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate you for having me on the platform. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode with the super dope GS Automatic. I hope you learned something new about Graph, because I know I did. To find out more about the show and find other episodes like this, check out wooziapparel.com forward slash pod, or you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you're watching the video version, do me a favor, like this video and subscribe for more content. To my audio listeners, if you enjoyed the episode, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. This is Najara, better known as Woozy, and thank you for listening to the Creative Balance Show presented by Woozy Apparel.